this mother that had been such a profound part of our lives left and um, left with a man that we uh, had welcomed into our home as, as a friend. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Sarah Broussard. Sarah is a teacher, author, trauma work, and life coach who melds wisdom traditions with deep knowledge of self-care practices, energy work, intuition, and spirituality to guide her audience to open up to new ways of responding to life. For over 30 years, Sarah has guided women from a place of struggle to one of grace, peace, and ease through her signature process of sacred self-care. As the author of Inside, a guide to the resources within to stay connected to your truth, even in trying times, Broussard details the self-care practices that sparked and sustained her own healing journey. This work inspired her to create The Tribe Inside, an online social community featuring video, audio, and workbook content for healing and growth at your own pace, and a group coaching program called Awaken the Healer Within. She's also the host of the annual online event, The Trauma Recovery Summit. So today we're talking about transcending trauma and building self-trust. And this is so important because if it's been shattered and not rebuilt, you can help but be hypervigilant, keep deep relationships at a distance, and so much more. So tune in so you can learn how trauma can impact us and more importantly, how we can heal it. Here's my conversation with Sarah Broussard. Okay, everybody, we are with Sarah Broussard today, and we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic. We're talking about transcending trauma, forging interconnection, self-trust, and your own authentic life path. Welcome, Sarah. Uh, Thank you so much. It's so nice to be with you, Debbie. Oh, you too. Well, let's face it. No one uh, talks about that topic unless there's a really interesting, I'm sure, story behind it. Can you share a bit about your story? Yes, I sure can. Uh, In my own life, I think the whole thing that happens for those of us that have experienced this, I believe, is that there is this, in in my life, my family, um, very strong connection to my mother, my father, my brothers and sisters. Life was clipping along pretty beautifully for about 10 years. And the secrets of the family weren't really divulged to, especially the younger children. And I was one of those children. And um, what was happening was that my mom uh, was navigating the loss of yet another husband. And my and, and, and ultimately was going to leave our family when I was 13 years old. And um, my father died just three years later. So the events that led up to that weren't anything that I knew of. I didn't really have any uh, ability to interact with what was going on. So really the result of that was just uh, this betrayal, you know, that um, this mother that had been such a profound part of our lives left and um, left with a man that we uh, had welcomed into our home as as a friend. And um, so I think 
as you said in, in your interview when we were talking about betrayal, um, there is this thing that happens to us when we lose uh, those connections, these connections that we believe are so profoundly in place, <laughs> you know, and, and how on earth do you recover trust after there's been a devastating event like that? And, and for our listeners and viewers, uh, Sarah's talking about the Trauma Recovery Summit. There's a link. There will be a link in the show notes. Check that out. It is an amazing event. She has uh, some incredible thought leaders contributing to that. So, yes, that is certainly a betrayal because and that could even be a betrayal of your expectations. You know, the expectations right. were mom was going to be there. And then all of a sudden. She just leaves. And what, what's so common is, and especially at such a young age, we make, we make our own meaning around yes. the experience. So what was the meaning you gave it and, and what happened? Yeah, I, I, I would say that I didn't feel worthy of my parents staying. You know, I, I think when we're young like that, what ends up happening is we don't have the ability to necessarily look at our parents and say, wow, something's going on. We weren't privy to that information, right? So you're making all sorts of assumptions that say, I'm, I'm not worth it. Uh, and, and really, that's what happened to my life was that I spent a lot of my uh, teens and uh, 20s putting on this veneer that I didn't want anyone to know this level of shame I had for being left, you know? So it was this, this uh, really extraordinary um, masking up that I would say was the most devastating part of the event because I left, I left right. energetically. I left. You, yeah. And, and how, and what about your siblings? Was it the same for them? Was it different for them? Of course, everyone has their own interpretation of it. So I'm wondering how different or similar it was for them. It's a great question. One of the things I've learned is that the facts don't really matter, right? Because so oftentimes, you know, I'll go to one of uh, my sibs and say, don't you remember this and, and, and how devastating that was? And it's like, no. And so there's further betrayal, <laughs> at least as far as I was concerned, until I started to understand it doesn't really matter how it's framed, right? It still affected us. Mm -hmm. So we all have these various perspectives and their perspective deserves honoring and respect, just like, like mine does or, or any of ours does. So um, they vary. They vary. We all took roots out different right. routes out, different ways to protect ourselves. Right. So this affects your level of trust because there it was, the rug was pulled out from under you. Mom was supposed to, in your you know estimation, mom was supposed to be there and then she wasn't. How did it affect, let's say, decisions going forward or, or even just, you know, your, yeah. your a, a sense of safety? Yeah, it, it, it affected everything. Um, you know, I took on patterns of hyper hypervigilance and to this day, I still um, manage at an extraordinary level. Um, you know, trust, you know, just being able to cultivate trust again and, and not so much, you know, I became very good at sort of uh, trusting people on the periphery. But when it came to the high stakes folks, you know, my husband, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, not so much my children, brothers and sisters, great friends, people that I consider very valuable to my life. Um, I had a very keen eye on what was going on all the time. And that has been something I, I continue to work on and disarm. But I think, you know, one of the things, and, and I'm sure you can speak to this too, Debbie, is, um, you know, that there's this ability, once we have an awareness around the dysfunction or the disorder or the trauma, that there's this ability to start to see it, not, not as over here, but as your friend, you know, that the red flag comes up and says, oh, here it is. <laughs> here it is. Mm-hmm. Here's the tendency, right? And when we cast any level of awareness on that, that it doesn't take us down the rabbit hole. It doesn't spin us out like it does, like it used to. And, and, and this is what I'm really curious about. And I know the audience is too. We always want to know. So how did you do that? It's, because it's really interesting what you said. And, and I sort of uh, frame it as when you're either you're in the picture and you don't even know you're in it. And then you take yourself out and you're looking you know, at the frame and at the picture. And it's a very different experience. So for you to, to sort of lose that ability to trust, don't you don't trust yourself. You have a hard time trusting others you recognize this was a real issue. Uh, you were hypervigilant, you know, that the, the outside people you could trust at some level, the high stakes folks was a little, you know, was a little more complicated. How did you recognize, tell us how you recognized, okay, I, I, I want to move through this and I want to heal this. And what did you do? Right. Well, I believe that at least in my life, I think we all come to it in different ways, right? The way I teach, it's it, everything is holistic. So I'm always looking at the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of our life. And for me, it was leveraged by my physical body. I got really sick. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I had shingles. I mean, and that was the thing, right? You'd look at me and you go, boy, that girl's got her stuff together. She's got a great husband. She's got great kids. She's got a store. You know, I did so much to um, make people believe that there wasn't this fragile little being underneath that was crumbling. And ultimately that was what it was. I, I, as I said, I got the shingles and then it affected my lungs. I got bronchial pneumonia and it put me in bed for three weeks. And there's nothing like looking at your stuff when your body goes, boom, you're going to stop right here. And isn't that so, I mean, it's like the universe is giving you this gift. I had to have foot surgery where I physically couldn't move, right? It's things like that, where you have this opportunity to look, you know, to look at things, look at life in a way that you never would have. And isn't it also so interesting? The body doesn't lie. You can talk a big game, but tell that to your body because it will not let you get away with it. So, and and what's so important and viewers and listeners, I want you to hear this. Your body is letting you know if you've really handled things and processed things or if you haven't. So, um, so here's confirmation right here. So, okay, Sarah. So now you have shingles, you have pneumonia. Tell us what happened next. Yeah, the, the next thing that happened was that... Um, you know, I, I found the lesson and, and the teachings appeared. I've really taken a course of action um, 
in healing my own life. Number one, I went to an intense massage therapy program, a two-year program, cadaver study, you know, all sorts of really extraordinary things to help me relate to my physical body. I can't say that, oh, back then I went, oh yeah, let me take this track of learning. I didn't. You know, it's always, I think, the thing that's screaming the loudest and the thing that was screaming the loudest for me was was my physical body. Two young children, you know, a lot to keep up. And basically it was like, boy, if you don't heal the vehicle, uh, there isn't there isn't going to be a lot of opportunity out there for you to, to carry on at any level. And so that was an invaluable experience, just connecting and actually being able to feel in people's bodies where stress lives and is held. You know, I think that that is a huge approach for me when I'm working with people is that it's, it's, we're really addressing the body in all sorts of of ways. Then that took me to a program called um, Kundalini yoga, which is um, where I learned the discipline. And, and this is it, right? It's like, once we have this, uh, this awakening or whatever you want to call it um, to where you are in your life and that it's not sustainable and that ultimately it, probably could take you down if you continued on this path, uh, you realize that you have to change the behavior. And in order to change the behavior, you have to, you have to be consistent with whatever that first step is. And it can be just this big, right, Debbie? It just a small little bit, but done consistently, it will, it will shift. It will shift you. And for those who aren't familiar with Kundalini Yoga, can you explain it and explain what it is and what it does? Yes, yes. Well, first of all, when I started with Kundalini Yoga, this is the thing that was so profound. It was so uncomfortable for me. People are wearing turbans. So this is in, uh, when was it? 2004. And you know, I was athletic. I wanted to study Ashtanga yoga. My, I was going on that training. The, the man from that was going to teach it, his family, he had a family event and there was Kundalini yoga. And it was like, Oh my God, they're chanting. They're doing things. I don't even understand what they're saying. They're dressed weird. It, it like shook me up. And yet there was something that kept me going back. It was like, my God, this is, this is the practice that's going to heal you. And waking up at four in the morning and going to Insadna for an hour and a half. I mean, just all these extraordinary things they had in place. But it focuses on the glandular system, the lymphatic system. It, it has an incredible practice of pranayama, which is like shaping the breath in these um, healing ways to address certain types of uh, symptoms or situations. Mm -hmm. um, it is always encouraging you towards a 40 day or 90 day or 120 day practice consistent every day. Um, and at the time that I learned, it, it was pretty strict. You know, there wasn't a lot of room. It's not the case anymore. It's not, it's very approachable now. But lo and behold, I really needed strict. <laughs> I really needed that. And, and because I was experiencing healing, you know, what I always like to say is I can sit here, Debbie can sit here telling you, this is what it's going to do. This is how it's going to feel. But until you feel it yourself, it doesn't hold a lot of meaning. Uh, so, yeah. right. And 
every time, every time I hear about Kundalini yoga, I always say, I really need to do it. And then I hear that it's not the kind of thing you could just spend a few minutes. You need to really dedicate the time. So I keep putting it off, but it's so, it sounds so transformative. So tell us what, what were some of the changes that you noticed and, 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 at what time period? Like, did you notice after 30 days, spending an hour a day, like how long did it take until you, you realized, wow, you know what, this is really working. I'm feeling so different or even a little bit differently. Well, the first, in the first 40 days, what happened for me was that um, I was actually traveling. I'd been given instructions by my teacher to keep up with this 40 day. She gave us certain meditations. I kept up with it. And I had actually a physical release, like a rash, a huge sore rash. I don't want to startle anybody here. But what happened for me was that there was just this, you know, your skin being the largest organ on your body, you know, and, and the ability to release um, all sorts of toxins at all levels. Um, it just wanted to come out. And it came out at the base of my spine, which is, as we know, as, as yogis, the first chakra, you know, home, security, career, family, you know, that's wow. where that energy sits. And it just wanted out. It just wanted out. And um, I would say just to answer your question about how long it takes, it's like incredible how fast you start to feel a difference. Mm -hmm. And I, it's been a long time for me since I experienced that because I've been in it for so long now. But m what I experience with people that I work with is even after a couple of weeks, there is this sense of, wow, my life, it, it, the trees look, <laughs> look greener. You know, yeah. I mean, I was just at a workshop at the Omega Institute this weekend um, and we were studying yoga nidra and she, she brought light to that Tracy Stanley brought light to that that this is what happens is that trauma takes up so much room in our brain that when we start to get time devoted to looking and seeing and being we we start to have a different experience <laughs> mm -hmm. through our through our vision through our sense all sorts of um, sensory changes and shifts it sounds so wonderful. And, and from my understanding, while all types of yoga, you know, connect the body and the mind, and there's something about Kundalini yoga that is specifically, I mean, it is so exquisitely tied to health. Yes. And tied to that, you know, that release. And then, and then there's that, I forgot the term where it's that, that big awakening, that the Kundalini rising, is that what it is? What can yeah, you explain what that it. is? You got it. Yes. So Kundalini rising. So Kundalini or, or the serpent, as they, they call it, that energy is always trying to rise up through the central column of your body. Right. And so the, in Kundalini, we actually have eight chakras in most other traditions. It's seven, but it, it, it works systematically up from the, the base of the spine um, into the, the, you know, the sex organs, and then into the navel center, into the heart center, the throat center, the third eye and the crown of the head. And then the eighth chakra for us is the aura or the magnetic field. So that's that, if you're in what we call kriyas or asanas in, in our practice, what happens for us is we're always trying to move that kundalini energy up 
that central channel to activate the higher, the higher chakras. And okay. that's really when there's this level of, um, you know, enlightenment sounds so huge or awakening sounds so huge, but that's when you start to feel shifts. That's when you start to experience yourself. You know, one of, one of the things we talked about is how do we start self that self-trust again? And really this is what it is, is that, there's no compromising getting there and doing this work. You're worth it. And when you do it with consistency and devotion, you start to trust yourself again. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the craziest thing that you think, oh, I don't trust him or her or whatever it might be. What about I stop trusting me? And that's the most important piece right there. So, so when you say learning to rebuild self-trust, Yeah. This seems like a wonderful way to do it. Being just so practical, like if you were to say, okay, these are the steps, the three steps, the five steps, whatever, what would be steps that our listeners, viewers can be like, okay, that's how I'm going to rebuild self-trust. Yeah. Well, it's my belief that when trauma happens and we don't have the ability, and and I would say it happens typically between zero and seven or generously between zero and 14, right, years old. Mm -hmm. We we don't necessarily have um, the ability to process as, as young people and know what's gone on. So resolving it at that point is probably not gonna happen, right? So we take on uh, the shame, uh, we take on the guilt, whatever it might be. And I believe we leave at that point in my life. It, it no longer felt safe to be here. So I energetically left. Mm-hmm. So I see it as the key is how do we come back? Mm-hmm. How do we trust this inner environment enough that we say, okay, it's time to come back and coming back in my world in what I teach is daily consistent something. <laughs> okay. Something. Let's not even go use the meditation word, word, but coming back to this place where we can be reflective. I've started even painting at the end of my meditations lately. Anything that sort of allows you to feel safe in, in, in here. And, and I would just say one thing on that too, is that with that kind of consistency, what happens is you start to believe again that you are worth it. <laughs> I'm worth going over there and, and taking this time before I launch into my day. I'm worth it. And I trust you now, Sarah. I'm talking to myself. Mm-hmm. I trust you now, Sarah, because I've seen that you've done it. You've done it consistently for 40. And, and recently in a conversation with somebody, they said there's scientific proof that after 90 days, you change. There is a different kind of myelination of the brain that shifts. And now you are that habit. And beautiful. And you know what? You're even showing yourself self-trust that you can commit to a practice. Right. It's like, right. here, I'm going to, I'm saying I'm doing it and I'm doing it. And what, what a way to, to really grow trust in yourself that if I say something, I mean it. And here's the proof. I just wanted to um, ask you about something because I, you know, I've been hearing the word disassociated a lot where people say mm. I'm, I'm disassociated from my body. And it yeah. seems like yoga is such a wonderful way to become mm. more associated with your body. Is that, is that something that Absolutely. feels true for you? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it also 
I stepped really lightly in into that world, Debbie, because I, you know, in my own life, you know, I, I had trouble breathing, you know, for me, it was really heart centered base, of course, right, my heart was broken. And so I had upper respiratory issues all the time, you know, that mm. always went to my lungs. And so Kundalini really helped me sort that out. And so when I returned, it was hard. And I just like to say that to people because stay the course, stay the course, modify, do whatever it is. If you have a talented teacher, they know that, you know, consult, consult your, your, your guides and your teachers. They're there for that very reason and most likely have experienced this, this themselves. So it wasn't comfortable is what I'm trying to say. Yoga is brilliant at yoking, you know, these systems, these um, energies and giving us a physical experience that says, wow, you know, like think about uh, balancing poses. Some days I'll get into balancing poses and I'm like, whoa, I do have a lot going on. I can see how my body is just trying to deal with this, you know? So um, yoga is so tremendously informing when it comes to an inner state. And um, I just urge you not to run when things feel difficult. And I can see it being really frightening to someone who's thinking, I don't know what I'll find. So yes. I don't know if, if I feel comfortable getting, bringing myself right into my body like that. I've been trying to escape it for so long because if I'm deep within, I'm going to look at these things squarely and it's going to be scary. Yes. That's a really great question. I, I, the, the saying I adopted was the alternative sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) And, and it, it did. You know, what did that mean? It meant that, you know, the hypervigilance, the um, the veneer was starting to crack, the physical body was breaking down. I was having emotional outbursts. It was not comfortable to be in my life. It was not sustainable. And for many, you know, it shows up in different ways. But, you know, at some point you understand life just doesn't have to be this difficult. And um, it's hard work, right? It's hard work to look at this stuff. And, and therapy, I mean, as a therapist, you know this. I mean, I did this part of my learning, but I all I partnered with a therapist for five years mm-hmm. and be, because I deserved that conversation. And from there, I just became a student of my life. I started to say, wow, you know, it all became super fascinating to me. And that's when you heal. You know, I, I did two TEDx talks. And in the first one, I talk about the, the amount, the intense amount of energy you spend when it's like you're holding onto a pebble. And if you let that go, it's going to be an avalanche. And so you're holding on for dear life, keeping this one thing in place, but the energy you're expending is way more you know, then, then just letting it go, letting it go is going to be painful and scary and all of these things, but then you're free and then you heal. Yeah. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Well, it's funny. I, this is such a big question. And I, I thought a lot about it before I got on, I would just say, start, 
just start, you know, noticing if you're watching this, <laughs> you know, you have a curiosity around our topic and, and, and whatever that might mean, whether it's just adopting a breath or possibly it's, um, you know, self, self massage after, you know, as you're preparing for bed, um, what kind act can you bring to your life and do it with consistency because you are worth it. I, I think that's really where I'd like to end and make it obtainable, make it obtainable because the last thing we need is one more thing that makes us not feel successful. I, I love that. And, and how many people need to hear that they're worth it. If you don't believe it, get it through your head, everybody, people. You're worth it simply because you exist. So um, just doing one, one thing that shows you you're worth it will help you uh, reconnect with your body, will we'll start building that self-trust again and that self-love. That's such an important message, Sarah. I want to thank you so much, everybody. I check the show notes so you could learn exactly where to go for the Trauma Recovery Summit. Um, and you know what, Sarah, can you get, just tell us some, you know, some of the, the thought leaders that will be sharing there and, and even possibly what my interview is about. So everyone knows it's, it's really worth it to tune in. Absolutely. Um, well, it's going to happen October 6th. It's a free offering for trauma survivors, anxiety sufferers, and anyone that is ready to heal. Uh, you'll find tools, practices, and wisdom from over 35 experts, including Dr. Debbie. Uh, your interview really inspired me. It was called Beyond, it is called Beyond Betrayal, Trust Again for Better Health, Work, and Relationships. And I just encourage you to come. One thing that you said in your interview that I loved so much was um, referencing post-traumatic growth and that there is, in fact, an upside to trauma and how in realizing that trauma actually does exist in your life, you have this ability to have awareness and insight. And really, that is the first step to recovery. Again, it's called, the link is traumarecoverysummit.com backslash breakthrough. I hope you can join us. Thank you. Okay, Sarah, thank you so much. And we will see everyone at the summit. Ah, oh, very good. It's so common that someone else's actions, Sarah's mom in this case, could make Sarah believe that she wasn't worthy and caused her to become hypervigilant and untrusting. To heal any type of trauma, be sure to watch the Trauma Recovery Summit, and we'll have all of the links in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Afraid of going within? As Sarah said, the alternative sucks. Living a life filled with symptoms or illnesses because of trapped trauma isn't fair to you. It's also impacting your mental and emotional health, your relationships, and so much more. So whether you find a practitioner you're comfortable with or simply start a practice you can stick with, just get started. You're worth it. 
end, all of this craziness definitely leaves a lot to heal from, and we got you. Head on over to the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com, and check out all of our resources, all designed to help you heal. Whether it's one of my books, our supplement lines specific to the symptoms of betrayal, our programs, support, and community, we have everything you need to heal all in one place. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.